Blog Talk Radio. Into the show, everybody. This is your host, Ravenda, with MZN Indie Radio on this gorgeous evening. 
And uh, we have a wonderful guest in today. Her name is Nicole B. Simpson. She is a certified financial planner practitioner with almost 17 years of experience in the securities industry. As a financial professional with an extensive operational background, she specializes in comprehensive financial planning, including disaster recovery from unanticipated life events. And we all know how that is, especially with the current recession. She's also a World Trade Center survivor who compassionately assists families on how to begin to walk along the thread to recovery when faced with a catastrophic, unexpected disaster, which is very honorable. She's also actively involved in economic empowerment and developing a life plan in the penal system, which is another great thing to do because a lot of people are not able to focus on that. Uh, community-based organizations and educational systems, and we definitely need somebody to help with our educational systems. So I want to welcome our guest, Nicole, into our show. How are you, Nicole? I am doing wonderful, Ravinda. Thank you so much for having me on. I was loving and grooving to your song, your theme song. Women got to get it together. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, no problem. I, I mean, I always welcome professionals who can give us some advice and and, you know, share some things that we're not really um, knowledgeable about. So thank you so much for coming in. I'm I'm sorry. I I didn't hear you. No, it's my pleasure. Let's just give everybody whatever it is that they have need of so that we can all learn and grow during this time together. Absolutely. Now, um, tell us a little bit about your your background. Um, Have you always been involved in financial planning? Um, professionally, yes, but I, I, I got to tell you, I thought I was going to be a basketball player and, um, and an attorney. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I, I, I really thought I had some skills on the basketball court, but um, one of the reasons why I deal with a lot of individuals that have um, had tragedy in their lives is because I've had different road points in my life where my life could have gone one way or another. And so um, I got pregnant on graduation night blew a four-year scholarship. But I was always good wow. in math, so, uh, you know, I, I worked that thing out so that I could um, go into the financial services arena. And I worked my way up from um, an administrative position in the securities industry, and uh, I've been very fortunate in that. But uh, it wasn't what I always intended, but it has always fared well for me. <laughs> wow. Well, how tall are you? Well, five six, but you know, height for women is not as important as it is for men. Oh, not, man. not on the basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look, I, I'm, a, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little older now. So you're talking about maybe almost twenty years ago. If I've been in the industry for that many years, so you know, at that point, women's WNBA didn't even, you know, it wasn't what it is today. You know, oh, a lot wow. of the opportunities then were going overseas and things of that nature, and women couldn't make a lot of money. I mean, even doing very well, you were making sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, and that was traveling overseas to make that type of money. But I love the sport. I love this season. You know, basketball is, is my love. Um, but, you know, it just didn't work out, but I still am an avid supporter of the um, sport. Okay. Well, I, I played uh, basketball in high school, and then um, I didn't like it. No, switched out to being a cheerleader. Oh, come on! I didn't like it because it was just—it was hard getting the ball in the hoop, and it was hard running around and getting hit with elbows and things like that. So 
I said, I'd rather just be a cheerleader, but I won't be the kind that flips up in the air. I'll be the store cheerleader. <laughs> well, you know what? Let me say this, though. One of the things um, that we both can relate to is the fact that we did exercise and that that was acceptable when we were growing up in high school and things of that nature. So I hope that somebody's listening and they would encourage their kids to participate in exercise because with the obesity issues being what they are, one of the reasons why we weren't, you know, in that same vein and having that same problem was because we like to run around, you know, throw off some stress through running track, basketball, cheerleading, all different types of sports. So I hope that that's not one of the things that, is still negatively affected by the education system. So, absolutely, and um, it's basically because they're always trying to save money. So, you know, it costs right. money to have healthy food. So they're always trying to save money, and they just give us the pick of the litter when it comes to the nutrition. And then our kids are getting like the wrong foods. I remember being in high school, and I didn't get any healthy food. We just had like a bunch of junk, and right. we usually went somewhere after school and bought something to eat because we were so hungry. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And so if you take away the exercise and then you don't give us healthy food when you're in the school system, then you get the results that we have today. And that's one of the reasons why we as parents or as women, you know, we can lead by examples not only for ourselves but our children and those that are around us. We are such influencers that we can influence other individuals to do well as well as do, you know, um, not as well as we could. So if we use the power of influence that we have as women, we can encourage other um, our sisters and brothers to live up to their potential and not settle for less. And so if we can't have healthy food because we can't afford it now, we can definitely work out, be mindful of what we do eat, and try to minimize it to the best of our ability. That's absolutely right. And and it always starts at home. So, yeah. you know, and, and if, it, if I would say if I was a a parent of a child eating lunch in school, that if they didn't provide a good lunch, that I would provide it for my child myself. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I know teenagers don't like to carry lunch boxes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they but you know what? Store. <laughs> you, know what, you know what's so very interesting about that, and this is a great money management tip that really makes a lot of sense. But, um, you know, they get that from us, the parents. But teenagers don't want to carry their lunch to school because they think that it may not be cool or anything of that nature. But if a parent were to negotiate with their children about how much their allowance would be for the week and and made them wisely invest their money even as teenagers, you'd be amazed at how many teenagers will slip something into their bag, whether it be some nuts and a soda, they don't mind carrying that. Whatever it might be, they might grab a piece of fruit and say, I'll eat after school or whatever. But um, – when we start making our children accountable financially, it's amazing what they will do and what they will not do. So I'll throw, um, you know, something like a, a fruit roll-up or something like that in my purse just so that I don't have to spend $7 on a meal during lunchtime because I want to be a wise steward over my money or I want to make sure that I'm saving up for whatever it may be, but I'm not only getting a good nutrition, whatever it is that I, I choose to eat, even if it's yogurt or something of that nature, not only am I saving money, but I'm also, you know, making sure that I'm not going hungry, and I'm also making sure I'm not putting all of those negative um, nutrients into my body. So you could take money and um, do, use good money management skills even in high school today. 
And grammar school kids don't have a choice. How about that? <laughs> yeah, get them while they're young. They get used to it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that's, again, what you said earlier, that's our role as parents. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to um, talk for a brief moment about your experience with the World Trade Center. Um, were you working there at the time, um, you know, we had the 911 incident? Yeah, I um, I worked on the 73rd floor of Tower 2 at the time. I was working for Morgan Stanley um, as a financial planner there. And um, I was in the building on that day. And I remember that um, Tower 1 was hit first. And uh, we were given instructions that uh, Tower 1 was hit, and we knew that a plane had hit it, but we didn't know that we were under attack. And at first, I wasn't even going to leave my office. I was like, ah, that's the next building. It doesn't affect us. Go back to work. And um, I remember walking over to the window. And as I was walking over to the window and I looked out of the window, you could see the paper that was burning. And, um, you know, it was just in that moment that I said, you know what, we have to get out of here. And, you know, and I'll tell anybody, it wasn't me, you know, it was really the Lord speaking to me and just saying, get out. And I began to walk down the stairs, and I took my employees or my team members with me at that time. And as I was walking down the stairs, I never made it out of the building before Tower 2 was hit. I was on the 44th floor, which is the common walkway. Um, For anybody that knows anything about New York City, um, the World Trade Center had, um, there were different uh, points in um, in the Twin Towers in which you could either go upstairs or downstairs. And so the 44th floor was one of the common walkways, which would allow you to either go back upstairs or downstairs. And I was getting ready to go upstairs because I wasn't going to go all the way down. They kept making these um, announcements that our buildings were secure. And um, I got onto the elevator, and then I just felt compelled to get off the elevator. And when I got off the elevator, I allowed the elevator door to close. And when the elevator door closed, not even 30 seconds later, Tower 2, which was the building that I was in, it was hit. And it was a lot of people that were affected on that day because when the elevators came crashing down, fire and, and, and debris and brick began to hit and, 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 and um, uh, jump on the fire, jumped on people that were all around me, but the door that I was standing in front of didn't open. So I just really know that I had been blessed and really divinely protected on that day. And so when I finally walked out of the building, uh, you can see the devastation in a whole nother level. And it just was really, um, I, you know, for, for most people, they identified that as my, um, my tragedy, my catastrophic event that I've had to recover from. Um, and, it, and, and it was a part of that for me. Uh, um, but that wasn't really it in a nutshell. What had happened for me afterwards, which really turned my life around, which really altered everything for me, is that I had walked over to Battery Park City, which is a very wealthy community in the state of um, New York City. And um, in Battery Park City, they had provision. And that provision was they had cargo boats that would evacuate in the residents of that community, both either to Staten Island or Jersey City, New Jersey. And so they had a choice of where they wanted to go. But while we were in the water, the boat that I had gotten on originally was too big to dock in Jersey City. And as I was transferring in the middle of the ocean from one boat 
through another boat. I just had this vision of me falling into the water after having survived September 11th. And I really began to just have an epiphany. Oh, my God, what would happen if something happened to me? Because I had just walked away from a tragedy where over 3,000 other individuals didn't walk away from. And so it hit home for me at that moment that I'm a mother, two children, married, my husband and I depend upon each other's income to maintain a comfortable standard of living. If I had not had provisions in place or if I didn't make it home that day or if there's anybody that's even listening, if they don't make it home that day, how will their family survive? That changed my life forever. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-mm-mm. Now, you know, on that day, my girlfriend's husband worked in New York um, in the financial building that was across the street. Right. And I believe that got affected, too. And the day that he was supposed to go in to work, he he rarely gets sick, but he got sick that day. And he wow. called out. So we were in the furniture store, and we were looking around, and there was nobody helping us, and we were wondering where everybody was. So we went over to the office because we saw some heads bobbing around, and everybody was watching TV. So we were like, what is going on? We're not getting any help. So they said there there were planes crashing in, in New York. We under attack. So we were looking at it, and then my girlfriend saw the building where her husband was supposed to be working and just like just started bawling because she was just thinking about how if her husband had went to work that he may have been hurt or killed or whatever right. um, had he gone. Because he goes to the World Trade Center all the time. He goes back and forth all the time. So he could have easily been right there because he has to um, talk to other clients and things like that. He could have easily been right there and gotten killed, you know, just like many other people did. And she just started just crying. She <laughs> called her husband. Um, she just had to go home, so she could just hug him, yeah. Yeah. you know. And um, we just went home. We watched the whole incident all day and all night and all week and all whatever. But yeah. it, it was amazing, and I was thinking, um, I'm I probably would have been missing everything because I'm always late. Right. So I know I would have been on my way down the street seeing all this stuff happening and just turned around, went right back wherever I came mm-hmm. from. Well, I've heard so many stories. You think about what you would do if you were in there. Right, right. But I I think survival instincts kick in. Honestly speaking, I I can only speak for myself. Yeah. I think, you know, we're survivors by nature, and um, Mm -hmm. we've learned how to break down after the fact. And I can tell you that that's what happened to me. I really didn't um, really show any breakdown of emotions until I was in, um, in, in really in a safe territory. And, um, I, and I'm glad about that because that really wasn't the time um, to break down, not if you really wanted to survive. And so right. I've heard so many stories of individuals that missed work that day, there's guilt that comes along with it, How, why did I survive and someone else didn't. But, you know, you learn to pick up the pieces and, and try to find that new normal for yourself. Mm-hmm. So now, um, in in your present life, what kind of um, values and and you know um, knowledge have you felt came across your life and affected your life since that incident? Well, you know, I think now um, I have a greater appreciation 
um, for life. I don't think that I was ever so bad, so blase, blase. You know, like you, you know, you say they have these life-altering events. I think I was somewhat sensitive beforehand. I hope, but uh, <laughs> now, you know, you you like to think that you were a good person beforehand. But um, I think now, uh, for me, I really feel as if I'm on borrowed time because I know that had a circumstance gone one way or another. And the reality is I could have not been here. And uh, so I'm very grateful. And so my job, I think, is to live my life on purpose. And so I don't, uh, if, if I don't think that I can uh, be of help or um, to serve someone or live my life productively, uh, productively as opposed to negatively, then I think that I'm falling short on my second chance. And that's really what I, I'm always looking for. I'm looking for an opportunity to, um, you know, to empower others, to encourage others, and not only to just encourage others, but really to encourage the individuals that everyone else may have given up on. You know, I think that that's important because some people have just not had an easy road in life. And in that, uh, I have been um, fortunate enough to uh, have the, the education background and the skill set and I think the sensitivity and compassion of having been poor to acquire some level of wealth, to be able to tell others how to have their lives be different, I've lost it all and, you know, and have been in the process of rebuilding it. So I can tell people, listen, I'm not telling you what I know from a textbook perspective. I'm telling you that even though life will deal you some blows every once in a while, you can still have a full, productive wonderful life. It may look different than what you expected, but you can have, um, you know, a really enjoyable life. Now, what does that look like for you? That's who we have an opportunity to stand back together and develop. So I think everybody needs to have a life plan. And so the values that I bring to the table is that, um, you know, if I can operate with integrity, if I can operate with the standard of excellence, if I can give my gift to uh, the people that come across my path from day to day, then I think that I would have lived um, a productive, full, uh, purpose-driven life. Wow. Now, you know what? Um, my day started off pretty bad, and and I was just so happy that I was going to have you on the show because I needed some uplifting. And um, and you're doing a pretty darn good job to you know, help <laughs> uplift people. So you don't know you are. <laughs> And I, and I said I specifically wanted to speak about, you know, the incident that happened with you to see, because you know, it wasn't a bad incident like that that I've experienced today, but I, I just needed to know how somebody else made it through something like that, that it would be easy for me to get through what I had to go through today and right. maybe give some self-guidance or something on what to do to, for the next day or whatever. So thank you so much for um <laughs> being in you know uh uplifting and 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 inspiring in that moment for me thank you Ravinda. I appreciate that anything that I can do, but I know that um you know once we can understand that we are going to um be dealt with life challenges, it's really how we react and respond to them that defines who we are and defines our character. And the very fact that you didn't allow it to defeat you completely and you're still standing lets me know that you're a little stronger than you think you might be. So you just go forward and, you know, you just keep pressing ahead because what you are bringing to the table, a lot of people don't know 
that you're pursuing your dreams and your goals, and that's a blessing. Everybody doesn't get to the point where they overcome their fear and move forward, and no matter what life um, throws them, they still press forward to be the best that they can be. Absolutely. And I, I try to tell people that all the time, like normally <clears throat> I um, I have a lot of independent artists that uh, are on the show, and, and they get interviewed so they can get some promotion and some radio play. And a lot of times I have people who have been in the business already and maybe um, got out for a little while and came back. So um, I have them on to share things just like that for people who they want to have a career like that, but they don't know exactly what's in store to get it. Um, Some people are kind of stuck on this whole fantasy about it, and they don't realize that it is really something hard and difficult to get into. So then they need people like yourself to motivate them and to still continue to focus on what your dream is and making it a reality and doing your research and making sure that it is what you want to do and you have all your bases covered when you do get involved so that nobody can take advantage of you and you right. can go forward and be successful. So, right. you know, that's when people like yourself are very helpful to people who are just thinking it's just a dream. Right. Right, right. Well, I tell you one thing. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, my um, my theme for 2010 is daring to dream. As a matter of fact, I, I had a release of a book, my third book, which is titled Dare to Dream, and it talks about pushing past your um, pain to pursue your purpose. But even in daring to dream, uh, it takes some actions in order for dreams to come to fruition. In order for you to fulfill your dreams. You can't just dream it. You've got to then work on it. You've got to pursue it. And what people don't understand is even if you come across failure or even if you fall down in something, that's just one way that you're not going to get to the um, to the finish line. But even in failure, there are lessons that you can learn through that. So don't try that again, you know. Or maybe, you, you, you know, you need to bring a different element to it. But in our pursuit of our dreams, uh, I think one of the things that we oftentimes don't do is we don't research and we don't consider the financial cost in things. And mm-hmm. once we, if we did the research and we had an idea of where we needed to go, then, you know, it's amazing how successful we can be. If we couple that with finding somebody that's been there, that has done that, then uh, we have such a great, great, great chance of succeeding. If I want to be an author, and this this happened for me, um, when I wrote my first book, I don't know if um, if I had gotten all of the success. My first book was about my World Trade Center experience. I really wanted um, to put down on pen and paper my experience, what happened to me on September 11th, because I was looking at television, I was looking on the radio, I'm listening to the radio, and I just didn't see an African-American perspective. If you look at it, it just, to me, it did not seem like black people were in the building. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm African-American. I was there, I went through, and I wasn't a janitor, so please help me out. So I wanted to put my note on my, you know, this is just real talk for a moment. And the, and the reality was I didn't know anything about writing a book, but I was determined that even if 10 people knew my story, they were going to know that somebody black was in the building, that she wasn't poor, and she was working in the financial um, district, and this is what happened to her. And so that's how I wrote my first book. But I had to do a lot of research because I didn't have anybody 
to, um, you know, to lead me or to guide me or to measure it. But when I wrote my second book, which was, uh, um, which um, I didn't feel like I had done everything that I needed to do, I found this young lady who was phenomenal to me, and, um, and, and your listeners may know her because she was a um, former CNN anchor and the Lord brought her um, home, and so she's no longer with us um, to this day. But when I wrote my second book, and I started speaking out, and I started communicating with individuals publicly, I said to her, because she was further ahead than I was, she had known some individuals, I said, can you tell me how do I penetrate the world because I have a message that I want to share? And she helped me because I asked. If I wouldn't have never asked her, she wouldn't have helped because she didn't know that I needed help. And so what I'm saying to individuals is, you know, sometimes we try to do things on our own, even with our dreams and our goals and our desires. You don't have all of the answers. It's okay not to have all of the answers. You should have enough information to let somebody know that you're serious about what you're looking to do. And then you ask somebody that's a little further ahead than you are. And then you remember that so that when somebody comes and asks you for help, remember that somebody else helped you get where you are. I think if we right. continue to do that, we'd be much better as a culture, much better as a community. All right, and we definitely need to support each other and, and pull each other up instead of, you know, being so critical about behaviors and things like that and, and just being jealous of certain people's successes or overlooking that somebody next to you needs to be uh, able to, you know, succeed just like you. So, right. you know, don't hold on to information and keep somebody else that it can still work for um, from knowing what, what they need to do. Because I see a lot of people that say, well, don't tell anybody about that because they'll take your job. If, if a job was meant for you, then you'll get it. If the job was meant for that person, then they'll get it. So it's about the way it works in the universe and with God's decision, that is what's going to happen. So you can't just say, you know, I'm going to take control of this and I'll be the one to get it because I'm not going to tell that person about it. Ravinda, you know, I've I'm always so been that kind of person to tell you everything. I don't even care if you take the job from me. I think it's important to share any kind of information with anybody that can help. Ravinda, you and I are in the same position with that because I I believe wholeheartedly in what you said, and and that's the one thing that I think is very important. Um, What is for me, no one can take from me. And here's the other piece of the puzzle. I'm so good at what I do. You've got to be better, and it's not too many people. I'm one of the best in my field, and so I'm fully confident in that. I can help you be the best, but, you know, if, if I, I'm just confident in the fact that if I go toe-to-toe with somebody, you know, I, I certainly believe that I'm going to always get the job. Now, am I going to help you? Absolutely, because you only help me be sharper than I already am. And so I can share with you whatever it is that you need to know so that you can grow because you're either going to do two things. You're going to make me pursue to be the best again if you get the better of me. Or we got two people now in an area or arena that we need so much help in. Because when I'm dealing with finances, there are not too many professionals that look like you and I that are doing what we do. And so if I can get somebody to the level where I know that they're teaching the way that I teach with responsibility, teaching people how to be good stewards over their money, teaching individuals how to acquire wealth, then instead of me doing it by myself, I now have a partner that can help me do it. And I know they've been trained by the best because they were trained by me. So I know that we are working well together and we can affect our community that way. If we were were firmly convinced and confident 
in our skill set based off of, uh, of, of results now. I can't just say it without the results. You've got to have some results behind your willingness to say that you're one of the best. But based off of all of that, then what you're doing is you're strengthening your community. You're not taking away from it. You're adding to it. And that's, there's value in that. It definitely is. It is because, I mean, we, had, we can teach each other. Whatever exactly. you don't know, you can teach. It's just like in any tribe of the past history, um, there was somebody who was, you know, wiser than the others, and they would teach them. So we exactly. kind of got away from that. We don't teach each other anything either. Like there are some people who are fortunate to be educated, and it works that way because God wants that person to educate. And mm-hmm. if that person goes out there and learns something, and like everybody else in the neighborhood didn't know squat, then that person needs to come back and teach those people what he's learned because that's what makes us stronger if we all help each other. Now, if you, you hold on to all that information and you hold on to that education and that, that intelligence, you know, you just – what are you gonna do with it? You know, right. you should share it because it doesn't mean you're the only one who's supposed to know something. And here's the other piece of the puzzle, and this is what I love. In as in as wonderful as I may be in my skill set as a financial planner, or even you know doing um, you know motivational speaking or whatever. However confident I am in that, ask me to work on a computer. I'm telling you, I need help every day, all that. You know, ask me to market myself. I can't do it. And so here is a perfect opportunity for me to partner with somebody that's gifted in that area, that has the gift of gab, that can talk to people, you know, make deals, do whatever they need to do, get me on social media, whatever they have to do. Because if I have to do it, wouldn't nobody know my name? Because I'm horrible with a computer. I can't. I, I can't navigate Google or whatever those things are. I, I barely know Facebook, which you know, I I I got that down packed to a science now. But if you had to ask me how to update, you know, MySpace, LinkedIn, and all of those, I can't do that. My strength is not there. But somebody else that I may know is strong in that area. If we work together. Can we imagine how much more penetration in society we can have by working together? And we're all shining in our own element. That's what I love about coming together with one another. That's what I love about the theme for, um, for, for me and my group this year, which is titled Dare to Dream. It's because we're, we're taking people who are daring to dream and we're pulling ourselves together and we're matching up strengths and weaknesses and we're all pursuing our heart's desires in unison. And what's happening is we're all growing together, moving forward. We're not regressing because anytime we fall short, there's somebody where we're weak that's strong, that's carrying us along the way. It's a beautiful thing. And so we are breaking that whole tradition that African Americans can't work together, men and women can't work together, women and women can't work together. We have gotten rid of that whole mindset because we're encouraging and supporting each other in our endeavors. We're there to be each other's cheerleaders. We're there to be each other's constructive critics, not haters, constructive critics to make us all better. And I'm seeing great things happening because we talked about uh, or you opened up in your in your in your monologue in the very beginning. This is a recessionary time. 
People are hurting. We need our own employment. We cannot be concerned about somebody else giving us a job. And if we got the skills, then we ought to create revenue streams for ourselves so that we can help somebody else and so that we won't be so financially devastated the next time this comes around. Because we have recessions. They happen all the time. But, you know, the, the difference is when you're your own boss versus somebody else holding your future in their hands. And I'm just not willing to allow somebody else to hold my future in their hands. If it's not God's hands, I'm not interested. That's just me. That's the truth. Now, when when you say that, and first of all, let me go back to when you were talking about um, Dare to Dream. It's really ironic, but I uh, there's a website, like a social networking website, that allows you to have memberships and things like that. And I started mm-hmm. one like two years ago. It's called Women Who Dare to Dream. And I started it because it was for women who who didn't have an idea what it was they wanted to do, didn't know what kind of things were out there, and needed somebody who was skilled enough to, um, you know, and willing enough to share that information by just posting blogs and, um, you know, sending out information of what they do and putting um, the radio shows and things like that on there. And it's been doing pretty well. I have a lot of members on there. Um, and it's just weird that you said they're the dream, and I thought about that because I, I thought about women that were suffering from, you know, uh, after life of incarceration, um, right. how they came out, and a lot of them go back just like some men do because there's nothing out there for them, and they're right. treated so bad. And, like, it, it couldn't even it, – it didn't even have to be a violent crime. It could have been, like, um, you know, shoplifting or stealing or getting caught doing something dumb or whatever – and right. and they have to start all over, and they don't know what to do. They they're undereducated, and then they end up doing some some menial job in the hospital, pushing people around from room to room. But they may have some talents that they're not aware of that they can you know use to bring in a better career, a more long term life choice, you know, and skill, and they can do things. So we provide them with a lot of different information on what they can do that like you know stuff on the internet like you will probably benefit by going on there to see what else is going on, whether you want to try it or not. But you would know that, you know, there's a lot of people on the Internet that are using it to their behalf to do things, like me. I mean, I have this radio show that's been going on for a year. I was unemployed at the time when I started it because I didn't know what else I I could find to do, and and I've discovered it, and then I've been doing it. I have really great guests on it like yourself. And then I've taught other people how to be on it. I've taught other people how to do other things on the Internet. So I think you look within yourself, you can find talents that other people need in order for you to be successful for them, and you can make money doing it. And that's exactly right. And I'm so I'm so glad that you mentioned even the, uh, you know, the women that you set out to um, help because what's very, very interesting um, about that, Ravina, is the fact that um, when I first did uh, uh, a dream was actually – it was actually a ministry message. Um, but after I ministered the message and I listened back to it, uh, I had been working inside the penal system. I had been invited by incarcerated women who had gotten a hold of my first book, and they invited me in, and so I established a relationship with them thereafter. But this book in particular um, was really developed out of my experience of working with incarcerated women because the very thing that you're talking about, women not having um, viable options 
after a period of incarceration is the very issue that I wanted to address. And so mm-hmm. here's where we developed it because women can be locked up from, you know, just say average of nine months to three years. You have nine months to three years to create a business plan for whatever it is that you think you want to do with the rest of your life. But most women feel like after incarceration, it can't get any worse. You have no other place to go but up. And so I tell them to start thinking about when you were younger, what did you love to do? You know, what were you good at? Were you really good with children? You know, um, you know, are you a good cook? Can you make the best macaroni and cheese? Are you a good speaker? You know, can you encourage people with your, um, encourage people with your words? Are you a wonderful writer? Can you sing? How can you create those things into businesses? Uh, are you good at scrapbooking? You know, uh, are you good with talking to people? Are you good in sales? Let's look at what your skill set is, and let's see how we can make that a viable business. And while you're incarcerated, you practice on the people that are around you, or you write and you write and you write, or you communicate with individuals. You do whatever is necessary in order for you to get to a place where you're walking out of those prison walls with a plan of action. You're saying, okay, nobody's going to give me a job, or at least not the type of job that I need to have. Now, the truth of the matter is you're still going to have to get a job. But now you have a job and you have something you love to do. It makes it easier for you to go to an underproducing job or an underpaying job, work long hours, knowing that eventually because you're working on what you love to do, you have something that's driving you, something that's encouraging you. And that's really how Dare to Dream came about because it was that message and I was able to see firsthand, which I always give credit to Edna Mahan Correctional Facility for Women Out of New Jersey because I was able to spend time with them and every woman that I have worked with, every single woman that I've worked with, not one of them have gone back into the penal system, not one. It has taken a lot of them time to get jobs, but they stayed encouraged. And now there, there are such, there's a handful of them that are doing so phenomenally well in their life purpose. It is such a blessing to see. It encourages me. I've seen these type of women. Some are working in the post office. Some are back in corporate America. Some of them have their own businesses. Some of them have 501c3s. They have moved forward, and there's a different light on the inside of them. And they serve as great examples that if you can give somebody an opportunity to pursue their dream, and if they take it and they catch hold of it, then they will not ever have to do anything to put themselves in a compromising position again. And I've seen it firsthand, and time and time again, I will continue to tell people if they did a dream, if they would look and they would sit down and just think about it, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take, but it will encourage you, motivate you, move you forward so that you can live your life on purpose. And I'm telling you, the truth of the matter is, if a lot of people didn't realize it, you can look at it today. When this recession hit home, even if you were on your job 20 years, that job got rid of you if you were not sitting there bottom line. And so I don't want my destiny in somebody else's hand. And that, you know, for me, that lets me know that we need to be able to have alternatives. That's all I'm suggesting right. is that people have alternatives. 
And I believe in multiple streams of income and backup plans because (laughs) I can't just sit here and focus on one job and one duty and then something happens and I don't have it anymore and now I have to go start all over again with another job and another duty. And like people who work in factories and all these factories that are closing down to give that work to people overseas, a lot of those people started in those factories at the age of 18 and have been there for 20 years plus and have no other skill. They don't know what else they can do. And I always advise people, you know, go get yourself some education in a lot of different things. For me, I've, I've been educated in construction I've been educated in computers. I've been educated in working in the office. And I've been educated in doing, like, a lot of things media-wise, you know, with the radio and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I can fall back on just about anything to find myself another job or whatever. I've worked in the food food, um, service business, child care, construction, office, financial. I worked at Bank of America for three years. I worked at a Mm -hmm. weight loss center. I was consulting people that um, needed to lose weight. I was also doing their sales. I was a sales um, manager and moved up to program director. So I put myself in a lot of different types of skill sets so that I have some skills that I could use in even my own business or if I'm working for somebody else and they lay me off, I can go do something else. Like I can go build a house right now if I got laid off. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I can't go no I'm unemployed. I'm gonna just go take my behind the um, Home Depot and pick me up some tools. <laughs> but that, but you know what? That's women doing it for themselves and understanding that you know what? We are gifted. We are multifaceted. We are unique creatures, and we ought to embrace our womanhood and be capable of handling whatever life throws our way. But you know what? It comes with us believing in ourselves and believing in each other. So I, I get excited when I can see, you know, somebody who everybody else counted out, rise above the ashes and pick up their lives and become successful. It is a beautiful thing to see. It is. Now it looks like we have a caller who wants to ask a question. And okay. let me pull this caller in. Uh, caller at the area code um, 928. You're on the line with Ravenda and Nicole. How you doing? How you doing? My name is Stevie Five, uh, and I, I host a show called Ghetto Pass Radio uh, on Blog Talk. Hey, I've been on Radio 1 for a long time. And I've just been listening to you ladies. I had um, uh, was in contact with the host of the show, through email, and I had always promised that I listened to your show, and I'm just glad that I did to hear some strong black women talking about something other than their problems, how, you know, how somebody had caused them to hold them back or, you know, things like that. And to hear that y'all are 9-11 survivors, I have to be on a protection team that came from Los Angeles right after 9-11 and flew into Jersey to protect a lot of people there. So... Um, just glad to hear y'all, you know, encouraging people to do something other than sit there, you know, and, and that's rarely heard, you know, we have reality shows that put black women in a, or women, period, in a situation that they have to use sex appeal in order to, you know, get heard or in order to be listened to. So I'm glad that y'all women are taking a, the step to say, you know something, I got a cool mind, and I'm motivated to make it better. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Mm-hmm. Now I got a question for uh, each one of you. Okay. <laughs> Here, here's a question because I, uh, on my show every Sunday we do deal with the the, the 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 solutions to a lot of things that we talk about. And I want to ask you this: and and after the nine eleven and the the whole mind change that it gave you, because it changed my mind about a lot of things. Um, after this mind change and you know the the books and you know, you start being a motivational speaker for a lot of people. Tell me right now, what is it that the first thing a person should do if they're not motivated, if they don't know what they have supposed to be? They can try everything, five or six projects. You know, they right now they're stuck. They feel like financially they can't do anything to kick off anything else, and they're not confident enough to, you know, have the courage to do anything else. I, I can answer that because you find a lot of people that are incarcerated that have that, that exact mindset. How did I get here? Um, you know, especially when they leave a period of incarceration and they just really don't know what's going on, what their life, um, what they're supposed to do with their life. And here's the reality. I'm going to take it from two different perspectives. Let me start off financially first because that's where you asked us. Um, to build, rebuild financially takes time. That's just the truth of the matter. We must understand that. And it's going to uh, be uh, putting yourselves in a position where you may be uncomfortable for a while because when you come um, out of any traumatic situation, whether you've been incarcerated or not, the rebuild financially is very difficult to do because cost of living is extremely high. But we oftentimes spend our money in areas in which we don't. And I like to use, and it's in one of my books, I wrote three of them, but it's in one of my books in particular where I use um, a single mother who works in Walmart 12 hours um, a day in order to provide for three children. Now, we already know that she's probably living from paycheck to paycheck. She needs the overtime and things of that nature. But here's the mindset of that mother that can be shifted. If you're going to work those long hours, you'll come home and you're extremely exhausted. So now you don't want to cook for your children because you're extremely exhausted. Granted, you work 12 hours out of the day. But what would happen if you sacrificed for a year and you cook every day? Instead of taking your kids, those three children, to McDonald's once a week, each time you go to McDonald's once a week for your children or you buy pizza or you buy Chinese food, whatever it is, you're spending an average of $20, even if you're using the dollar menu. You're saving $60 to $80 a month already that you can take that money and apply it toward your life purpose if you can figure it out. Now, how do you figure out your life purpose? Because that only helps you save the money to fulfill your dreams. But in doing that, whether you're going back to school for education, whether you're, um, you know, you're, you're seeking other employment opportunities, you're sacrificing because you've got to do what you've got to do in order to take care of your kids. Now, in your dealing with the whole life purpose aspect of what you're saving the money for, that becomes another conversation. Go back to your childhood. And people don't want to think back in their childhood because we're not, we've not always had the best childhood in our lives. But when you go back into your childhood, there are some things that all of us, I don't care who you are, there are some things that we've all been naturally good at, naturally gifted in. There's something that brought us a sense of joy. It, we may not know what it is now, but you've got to be able to sit back and think about it, whether you were good at doing hair, whether you were good at, um, you know, uh, truth of the matter, 
cooking macaroni and cheese, and I, I, I'm making a bite of it, but I know a young lady, all she knew how to do was make rum cake, and now she makes rum cake internationally and ships them out. So she took that one skill set, whatever that one thing is, can that produce revenue for you? Even if it takes time, you love doing it anyway. So if it does nothing else, even if you still got to work 12 hours, it's going to bring you the sense of peace that you need with all of the traumatic things that are going on in your life anyway. And so how do you develop that? It's not going to happen over time, and you're still going to encounter failure. For anybody to say that they're not going to fail in something, it's unrealistic. But now that you're doing something that you love to do, it's amazing. When we do that, when we do things that we love to do, time flies when we're doing it. And so now you don't mind putting the work in that it's going to take to develop something into something tangible. In doing that, you can make your bad situation better, and then you can make a better situation become the best type of situation. And the more you put into it, eventually it will pay off. No matter, I don't, I don't, I can't tell anybody it's going to take you 2.3 years. It might take you 20. But all I'm saying is, if you figure out what you love to do and you continue to pursue it diligently then eventually it will pay off for you. And if you get nothing else out of the picture, you will get a peace of mind because nobody likes to live their life, you know, in a rut, Bob and Peter to pay Paul, and you got no pleasant memories at the end of the day. And so um, that's one of the things that I, I, I try to encourage people to do. You know, you can get all of the motivational speaking that you want, you know, and it ain't going to help you move. But if you can tap into what you love to do, even if, it, if, even if you have to go back to your childhood, then you will be able to find that. Well, I, I, I thank you ladies very much. It's like um, I, I hope that a lot of people really take hold of what you're saying because it can help you if you don't block yourself, you know, with your negative thoughts. It really can. Right. For real. It's like, so I'll leave y'all ladies, and I'll just kick back and listen. But I thank y'all. I thank y'all again, and y'all have a good one. Okay. Thank you so much for your call. Thanks, Gabba Pass. That was great what you said, and um, I, and I do agree with that because I was at a point in my life when I had to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. Um, this was right after I had my third child, and I was unemployed because I had to take maternity leave, and of course, sometimes you can't go right back to work. Right. But I was a single parent, so I had to find some things to do in order to, you know, make some money or whatever. So one day I was in a craft store, and I usually just go in there because I love the way it smells. I don't even buy anything. I just like the way it smells. <laughs> <laughs> so I went in there, and I was looking through those little booklets they have to teach you how to do certain things, and I found this um, this little booklet about making a doll out of a mop head. So right. I said, ooh, that is so in- interesting because I've never seen anything like that before. And they showed how to do it with, you know, how you had a replacement mop heads, the rag right. mop. Mm-hmm. So um, I I said, well, let me just try this. So I went and bought all the supplies, and I just wanted an African doll. I didn't want that little um, farmer doll. So I, right. went, <laughs> I went and bought some mud cloth and some kenta cloth and some um, gold lame and some little buttons that look like rocks or or stones or whatever and and a little rope and stuff and then um i didn't need to sew anything because i can't sew i don't even know how to put the bobbin <laughs> on the machine uh it just keeps messing up so i used the glue gun 
And um, so I went and bought everything I needed, and I made a doll. It took me all about maybe $5 to make it, $5 worth of material to make this doll. And it was like a, I'd say about 14-inch doll, and you take some muslin and and put it on a popsicle stick and stuff it to make a head. And I didn't know what kind of face I wanted, so I left it faceless. And then I just, instead of putting hair on it, I put like an African cap or something, and I made the doll look like a king. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was gorgeous. So then, you know, I, I went somewhere and somebody saw the doll that I had. I was showing it off. And they asked how much was it. And then I said, um, $25. And they bought it. <laughs> something. And she was like, that's all? And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, that's a handmade doll. That's all. And I said, well, you can pay more if you want to, but uh, I'm going to dollars Mm-hmm. I don't know what you maybe you can buy it for twenty five or sell it for thirty five. I don't know. So um, she bought it off of me for twenty five dollars, and then I said, "Well, now I got a winner now." So I went home and I made about maybe ten more of them dolls, and mm-hmm. then I went and and decided to do some changes. I said, "Well, you know, I don't want to seem prejudiced and just have African dolls." So I, I went and bought some little paisley material and I bought some gingham material. So I made some country girl dolls and some uh, Japanese dolls. And, I mean, I had all kind of international um, characters. And right. I just started um, selling them. And I, and I increased my price. I went up to $30. And they were durable dolls. Like you could throw it across the street and it wouldn't fall apart. And and it was Beautiful. really for collectibles, like people who like to collect dolls. So I'm just I'm saying this because... You it, it, you never know what it is that you can do to to make yourself a new income or and that's you know, and that's so true that's so true yeah. and and you and you enjoyed doing the job and that's that's right. key to it and I I just want to tell your audience listen um, for anybody that that needs encouragement needs support in what they are they're looking to do with their lives and things like that you know I may not um, may not know everything about everything but I know that um, Honestly speaking, this is the area that God has anointed me in, and so you can follow me on Facebook. My name is Nicole B. Simpson, and I'm on Facebook, and I um, have a website, which is NicoleBSimpson.com, you know, and, uh, you know, I just believe that if you have a dream, there's somebody that's there that will support you in your dream. I have a passion for individuals that need a second chance in life because the one thing that I feel like, is that I'm on borrowed time. You know, my life is not its own because I've been blessed to survive September 11th when other people didn't, and so it is my commitment to help other individuals find their life purpose. And anything that I can do um, to, 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 to help that, that's my goal to do that. And the truth of the matter is that um, my vocation as a certified financial planner and financial planning expert just allows me to figure out how to do it at a discount. That's the truth for me. <laughs> so that we can figure out how to make something out of nothing. You know, we women, we're resilient. You know, you invite three unexpected guests for dinner, we know how to add some rice and, you know, get a little bit more string beans, and we can feed a whole family. We've learned how to turn lemons into lemonade. And so what I'm saying is money is not always an obstacle. 
we can make some things happen. So I figured if I put my mind together with your mind and you put your mind together with the girl's mind down the block, we can make some major things happen, some positive things. And that's what we're all about. We are daring to dream in 2010. And I'm just encouraging everybody, dream with me because I'm dreaming big. But I'm pursuing them too, so that's that's what it's all about. And and you know what? We all are pursuing a dream in some form or matter because we're making the first step to at least learn about it or decide on doing it or becoming motivated to find all the, the um, tools that you need to get started on it mm-hmm. and find out exactly what your plan is because you always want to have a plan for more than just that first 24 hours. You need to have, I always tell people, try to put it together a three-year plan and try to have mm-hmm. your, like, two backup plans because um, if you're a parent, some any you, you know, God forbid anything happens where, you know, you can't do both jobs anymore. You know, right. or you can't do both um, income streams because you know you can something could happen where you have to take care of a family member or whatever, whether mm-hmm. it's a parent, child, a spouse, or whatever. So you should always have a couple of backup plans just in case anything like that should happen. Because I say, why wait until it happens to know what to do? Because you can't. You can't even react. You're gonna waste a lot of time trying to figure yep. it out if you don't know. Like I, when I worked at Jenny Craig, and um, we found out this. this um, old ladies at the Hallmark down, <laughs> down the way got robbed, mm. unfortunately. I said, it's four of us in here. What will we do if these guys came in here? Yeah. And two of us are, like, physical and can fight, and the other two could probably, you know, be emotional and, and, and distract them with a bunch of tears and stuff. So I, they didn't know what I was talking about. So I, I put a plan together for what we would do if something should happen. Right. So I said, um, for one girl, I said, well, you're just going to start acting crazy so they think something wrong with you. And then the other girl said, you're just going to fall out on the floor and start crying and screaming and hollering and stuff. And this other girl, I said, you're just going, as soon as they come in, you're going to drop behind the desk so nobody even knows that you're in there. <laughs> and I'll um, be the one to take them into the back where they think the safe is when we don't even have one. So right. you have time to go do some other stuff while I'm distracting them. And don't worry about me. I can handle myself. So, See? you know, I, I put a plan together with all these women because they just seem to me that, you know, we just be messed up if, if something happened, if they didn't plan it or have an idea of what to do. But it doesn't always have to be for self-defense. It also has to do with what's going to happen in your household with your kids. If you lose a job and you're a single parent, you know, if if you have a spouse who leaves you and now you're yep. taking care of your kids by yourself and you don't have any other income but you're used to mm-hmm. two incomes, you know, there's a lot of different obstacles that could come your way. You just have to always think about it like it could happen to me instead of, oh, well, he, you know, that's fine. I'm never going to have that experience. Well, let me tell you, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, not that I want to give this shameless plug, but I am. That's what my second book is all about. It's called The Ultimate Plan, A Financial Survival Guide for Life's Unexpected Events. And it really tackles almost every scenario that you gave. It tackles that from a financial perspective or from a financial point of view because there are so many different areas in which we don't think about. And here's the truth of the matter. You talked about a parent that um, – you know, um, that has to be taken care of in their older age, and you may not be able to do it because you have parent and you have small kids, the reality of the situation is after a while, 
that financial cost is going to drain not only your parent, but it's going to drain you as well. But there are things that you can do in anticipation of the fact that we are going to get old. I mean, if you live long enough, you're going to get old, and you're going to have some needs when you get older. And so you don't have to wait till you get old to plan for it. You can prepare for it now. People die every day, unfortunately. That's my September 11th story. People die every day. People, you know, are diagnosed with um, chronic illnesses and diseases every day. People are suffering every day. People lose jobs every day. And so you need to have a plan of action. And so that's what the ultimate plan, the financial survival guide for life's unexpected events is about. Because if I am dealing with a tragedy, I don't want to have to worry about how to financially pay for that tragedy. And and best way to um, think about it, everybody has had somebody in our family that has died unexpectedly out of town. And what's the first thing we do? We scramble to say, can we stay at your house? Who going together? You driving, I'm driving, how are we going to get there? Who going to, you know, who's in the hotel? We'll all crash in. I'll get, you know, but if you had money set aside, there are some people that even worry about how you're going to bury them because they don't even have life insurance. But if you have money set aside, then you can deal with the tragedy of losing a loved one and not the tragedy of losing a loved one and how am I going to pay for this and is it going to set me back because i got to figure out whether I'm going to pay my rent or am I going to help bury this person. That's what a life plan financially is all about, preparing for the unexpected so that when it happens, because life does happen, when it happens, you're not shaken at the core financially. You can't help the emotions that you're going to deal with. I mean, you know, when somebody is diagnosed with a chronic illness, that is going to change the whole family. It's going to alter your lives from day to day. But does it have to alter your lives financially as well? That's compounding the issue. And if somebody's sick with cancer, you need all of their attention to go on them getting better. You can't be focused on how the bills are going to get paid. And so, you know, that's the second book, The Ultimate Plan, of Financial Survival Guide for Life's Unexpected Events. I would encourage people to check out the website. That's actually a national, um, that I had um, national distribution through take publishing for that. So any Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, you know, um, Books A Million, whatever it is, they can go right on there and check it out. Or go directly to NicoleBSimpson.com, and you can get it right through there as well. Good. And then I have a... Um uh, an Amazon widget that um, for all the people that I have come across that have books or um, albums or whatever that are listed under Amazon, I add that to the carousel so all the visitors that come to my site have a direct link that goes to your page where um, your product is so they can purchase it. So I'll be happy to add that um, to the carousel. And I have about three websites where it's located. So um, I can oh, add that Thank all you. your books for you and, um, you know, get you some promotion on it, too. So uh, that's what we do here. Well, I'm appreciative. <laughs> you know I'm glad I'm on the mingle zone. <laughs> huh? Right. While I'm talking about that, um, I'm thinking about you, you know, participating in a segment I'd like to do on uh, financial planning, uh, especially okay. for single mothers or women who are trying to do things on their own, and then maybe some single fathers as well who are just lost a wife or something like that. I wanted mm-hmm. to do like a segment maybe once a week or something like that if you have the time where, you know, I can bring you in and you can discuss with the audience 
certain questions that they have. I'll have them give questions ahead of time so that we have something this, to discuss instead of waiting for a call. And I if you it. have, you know, some time for that, and then you'll be able to talk about your program as well and your books, and that would be wonderful where we could work together. Well, Ravinda, it sounds like a lovely plan. We'll have to talk about that off off the um off the air, see what we can do and, okay. and see what schedules look like. But uh thank you so very much for the invitation. Any way that I can educate, um I certainly do attempt to um to try to do that. Um so I certainly would be very, very interested in seeing what we can do. Okay, that's great. Now, um in regards to financial planning, um, can you give people an idea of the best way to plan around um, any future recession that we may have. Like this recession is kind of dwindling down a little bit for mm-hmm. some people, but other people are kind of stuck and they don't know what to do. But should we go through this again within our lifetime, what is the best thing somebody should do to plan ahead for a recession? All right. Honestly speaking, our biggest problem is is that we have no relationship with our money. And um, any time that we feel like we can't honor a bill or a commitment, we then become very irresponsible in the way that we um, we spend the money that we do have. And I think the first thing that every, whether you're black, white, married, single, you know, um, or what have you, every individual needs to assess where their money is going. We take $20 out of the ATM machine. Here's a perfect example. We take $20 out of the ATM machine. Maybe we bank at Bank of America, but we'll go down to PNC Bank. And so not only are they charging us $2 at PNC Bank, but then they're charging us at Bank of America. So for that $20, it might have cost us $3 or $4 when you add the other bank to it. You know, and that's just a significant percentage of the money that is wasted unnecessarily especially if you take $20 out three times a week, you're spending unnecessarily, uh, unnecessary money um, for that. So a lot of people don't know where their money is going. Another example is, you know, and I'll be the first one to say it, I spend a lot of money at the, um, you know, well, I'll call them our bodegas, you know, in our communities or around our jobs. You know, we'll take 5 7 $10 and we'll go to the store and we'll get, uh, things that we really don't need, like every day. I need a Pepsi and a Snickers. That's just me. I love it. But if I get it on my job or if I get it out of my office, I actually own my own company. So, But if I get it out of my office environment, it costs me $3 to get a, a Pepsi and a Snicker, whereas if I bought it in bulk, because I know I want this every day, if I buy it in bulk and bring one a day to my office and leave it in my office, I'm saving money that way. Same thing with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We don't bring our breakfast to work. We don't eat breakfast at home. It would be cheaper. We, um, with our lunch, even if we go to the dollar store, we spend a lot of money on things that do not help us um, build up a financial um, network. And so if we can look at our money, then we can identify what we can and cannot save. And when we get to the point where we've identified where our money is going, then we can turn around and say, okay, I need to start putting money away for emergency. And now, mind you, as a financial planner, if I'm sitting down with somebody, I'm like, three to six months for emergency cash. But here's the truth (laughs) of the matter. You know, a lot of people can't even fathom doing that. So I started out, and I'm only speaking from experience. You know, I'm the experience plus the expertise, so I can tell you that this works. From an experience perspective, 
if you would get, everybody knows where those water jars are, where, you know, you get the deer park water or whatever, get one of those jars. Clean out your purse or your, um, your, your pocket every day with the change and start putting it in those jars. If that's the only money that you can save, start there. And every chance you can, put a dollar in there, put $5 in there, and then take that money when it gets halfway filled, open up a savings account. If you've never saved before, start there. But at the same time, if you work for a boss, if you have an employer, ask them if they have a retirement plan on their job. And start with whatever it is that they contribute because most companies match. Most major companies will match you dollar for dollar, 50 cent on a dollar, whatever it is, up to 3 4 5% of whatever your paycheck is. If you do that, then what you're doing is even if you're saving only $13 um, every pay period or $17, what you're doing is not only are you now saving and investing, but then your company is going to give you additional monies. Yeah, you can't touch it until you retire, but the reality is you're going to need money when you retire anyway. And what it does is it allows you to begin to accumulate some level of net worth. The other piece of the puzzle, even in doing that little bit, is it reduces your tax liability in the current year. Any money that you put away for your retirement, you are not taxed on it in the current year. So if you're paying a lot of taxes, especially if you're single and you've got no dependents out there, Uncle Sam loves you. So you need to be putting money in retirement because you're either giving it to Uncle Sam for free or you can save it for yourself. So when I put it in those um, terms, most people want to save it for themselves. And so if you do that, then what you're doing is you become a saver. And then, um, you know, in doing the savings, every person that has a checking or a savings account, many people may not tell you this, you can sit down with a financial consultant in, in the average bank, in the average bank for free. They have a financial advisors on site. So sit down with them. See if you could get a free financial plan. They're the experts. You don't have to pay for anything. Tell them, I want to sit down. They don't know if you have money at another bank or they don't know if you broke. So it don't even matter. Get the free consultation and get a plan of action for yourself. And if you have a plan of action, then you can say, okay, I'm spending money here. I can really save here. This is what I can do because I need to start building because this last recession took the wind out of me, and I want to be prepared for the next one. And you're doing that, and i got to give myself a plug again. If you don't want to sit down with somebody else, buy the ultimate plan. It gives you break points at the end of every single chapter. It tells you what to do, how to do it, why you should do it, and it gives you examples of um, situations that you can identify with, and you're going to be able to see yourself all throughout that book and go, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't do that. And so if you start doing that, then you start building. And what you'll find is that you're originally you had no money in the bank. Now you got a week's worth of your paycheck in the bank. Now you got two weeks' worth of your paycheck. Now you're not living from paycheck to paycheck because even if you don't pick up your check or you don't get the direct deposit, you can still pay your bills. Two weeks goes to a month, a month goes to two months, and now you're starting to save. And now because you haven't tried to do it by saving $500 a month, which you know is unrealistic, but you started off small. You started off with something that you can handle. And one thing that I've noticed with all of my clients, you know, even for those that I started off with when I first started in the business years ago, 
when I had people start saving $100 a month, and I had some that were saving $25 and $50 a month, when they hit that first $1,000, they were so excited. And when that $1,000 went to $5,000, I thought that they were going to cheer and celebrate. And when they got to that $10,000, it was like they were disciplined and they were conditioned to save. And so there's something that happens at those break points. When you start accumulating, what you do is you become more responsible with your money because now you don't have the feeling that you have to spend it all the time. And so you're okay with saving it. That's what I would do. I would start off slowly. I would start off steadily. I would be consistent in my savings, and I would exercise discipline. And in doing that, you will see that your financial picture will change. You're not going to get there overnight. The numbers may seem so small to you, but the reality is you've got to start somewhere. And you want to be prepared for the inevitables. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, there's so many things that can happen. And I know a lot of people didn't expect this recession to come and be lasting so long. So, you know, some folks are still trying to figure it out. Girl, this thing was brutal. (laughs) It was. I went from, I was doing really well at Bank of America now. I just unfortunately was working at a bank at the time that it hit. So even though my bank wasn't suffering through, you know, the issues, the CEO made the the government think that we were suffering through the issues and required the bailout money. And um, what they actually did to us is the way we got paid, we got paid a base pay. But since we're we're selling financial services, we would get bonuses and commissions by um, selling balance transfers and um, other Mm -hmm. credit, um, you know, products and things, credit cards, debit cards, all those things. What they did, because I, I worked in the wealth department where I just dealt with people who made $250,000 a year and up and right. carried like $2 million in their account. So, you know, those all those people, we, we used to have so many people that had that, but you they were dropping like flies. They right. went in and they changed their status, so they were down with everybody else. So then that meant that my department didn't have a, a full load of clients so they had us doing everything everybody else was doing. So therefore, they felt they the need to cut our income in half. So they reduced a lot of our bonuses, and and we went from making a like I say a hundred percent our income to fifty percent our income, and then they cut our um, unlimited overtime and all this other stuff. So then later we find like lots of people leaving things like that and trying to find other jobs because it was just not getting it. And then we find out later that the CEO knew that we were going to make a profit and didn't require the bailout. So, um, of course, he's no longer the CEO. Obama himself fired him. It wasn't even Mm -hmm. like it went down a line in the bank. It went by the president of the United States who said, no, you have to leave now. You're not going to be here to the end of the year. So, you know, in saying that, the bank you would think would be okay, but it wasn't. So it made so many changes, and I was stuck like everybody else, where we didn't have any kind of a plan of what to do. So, you know, of course, my plan ended up leaving, period. Right. <laughs> a lot of people did something else. But, you know, if you could tell people who are working somewhere where they just feel so confident that, you know, nothing's going to happen to their job and they're making lots of money, how to manage when they are making six figures and instantly overnight go to like, you know, making like ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year. Well, let me tell you, that's exactly what happened to me on September 11th. 
I literally was making six figures. And if you read my first book, which is Planning for a Reason, a Season, and a Lifetime, which is my World Trade Center Experience book, you know, in that, um, in that I tell the story that my income dropped for 2002 to $18,000. It went from six figures, over $100,000, to $18,000. And I still had the same mortgage payment. I still had the same car note. I still had all of those things that I was responsible for. And so that is a reality of life. What those individuals must do that is in that position, if you don't want to lose, then you've got to start making some decisions today about how you're going to begin to save. If you are in a six-figure income bracket, then you're already paying a significant amount of, um, of taxes. So you should be maxing out on your 401k, or you should be saving a significant portion of your money in retirement. Your job also allows you for most major corporations, which is probably where an individual would be working, they also allow you um, to uh, invest in a mutual fund company, and they offer financial planning services through the job. So, you know, I certainly would take advantage of all of those things that are available. They often have, especially if they if they trade on, um, you know, the, the, the stock exchange, they have an opportunity where you can buy stock at a discount. Your company stock, I wouldn't recommend you put a lot of money in, in there, but, you know, you certainly can be, you know, for more, um, more um, employment morale, you can put a percent or two in that. And then you need a financial advisor. You're not poor. You are considered middle class. And if you don't feel like it in your lifestyle, then you need to sit down with someone that can help you to create a plan of action that makes sense for you. If you have children, you want to protect them just in case. You know, a lot of people don't realize you need life insurance outside of the scope of your job. You need disability. You need long-term care. You need those things because when you're making that type of money, you know, you need that insurance in place just in case. You know, and you also need who wants to go, and this is what has been happening, who wants to go from making $100,000 down to making $40,000? And you, you, you know, because of this economic downturn that we've had, you have people that are doing that. And if you didn't save when you were making a wonderful salary, then, you know, I, I, I hate to say shame on you, but you weren't a good steward over what you were um, entrusted with. If your priority was a a $700 car note so that you can drive a luxury car, then shame on you. You weren't ready for it. And that's just the truth of the matter. So we need to change our mindset, you know, to make sure that if we're going to have those luxuries of life, that we still have a savings plan that's consistent, that when and if things begin to fall apart, you don't lose everything. I've been in my house, and I say this because I think it's important for people to know, I've been in my house um, for um, almost 13 almost 13 years. Um, I went through uh, the decade of my income going down. I didn't get back up to six figures overnight, but I did not lose my house because, you know, incrementally over time, I saved a little bit of money per paycheck. That systematic investment worked my advantage. So when I could not earn any money, when I was sick and I was in therapy for nine months in the month of um, in the year of 2002, 
I was still able to pay my bills. My kids were still able to go to the same school. They didn't, you know, we didn't all have to go on a diet. You know, we didn't have to do that because we saved. And you look at my son who's 20 years old now, you know, he don't look like he missed a meal at all. And it's because (laughs) what we earned, we were responsible with it. And that's what we have to do. We have to start being responsible for what we earn. And then and only then will we find that our lifestyle will increase. I'm okay. If I have to start off with buying a Hyundai, if I can, oh, let me go from a Kia and then from a Kia to a Hyundai and then from a Hyundai to a Honda, from a Honda to an Acura, and then I can get, um, you know, the Lexus, I've elevated not only my credit but my standard of living incrementally. Well, it's hard when you got to go from a Lexus down to a Kia. That's just not cool at all. Don't nobody want to go back with a Lexus you know? to a bus. <laughs> see, oh, well, see, now, look, I, 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 I live in a community that you can't even not have a car, so I'm just saying I didn't even think about the bus. <laughs> but you're right. I do not want to get familiar with New Jersey Transit. How about that? Oh, I know. You know. I just recently moved, and my car decided it wasn't moving with me, so I'm see? on the bus now. I haven't ridden the bus in like ten years, so I had to. I didn't even know how much it cost or nothing, and I had to try to figure out what to do. You know, mm. like where the schedule and everything. So, you know, it's always good to have a plan and never forget what you started mm-hmm. off with, because you're gonna need them survival skills if it come back to you again in life. Exactly, and I and I agree with you. And listen, I'm not negating for please for your listeners. Let me say this: I'm not negating the bus. Um, you know, I'm just saying I personally don't want to have to get on the bus. All right, that's uh-huh. all I'm saying. You know, if you've had the luxury of a car, you just don't want to go backwards. And the truth is that if you plan accordingly and you're wise with your money, even if you have a rough financial path in your life, you still should be able to navigate through the rough waters and not diminish your standard of living. And that just is, you know, that bodes true for anybody. And so if you find yourself in that position, then use this as an opportunity that when you begin to rebuild, you rebuild, you rebuild wisely. That's right. Well, it looks like we have about four minutes left in our show and um, I just want to take a minute of that to um, thank you again for coming into the show and giving us some very well-received and very well-accomplished and very well-needed um, advice and, and information. And I'm sure that everybody will be definitely looking for um, purchasing your books and um, having you, you know, um, come in their neighborhood to do a motivational speech now. Um, if you could give us some information on any any kind of um, seminars or whatever you're doing, other than the books that people can probably hear you in person, tell them. Well, um, the best way to find that out is to check out my travel itinerary, NicoleBSimpson.com. All of my dates are on there. I always get myself in trouble when I try to, um, you know, to list out my dates. So um, in the interest of not messing that up, if you're really interested in finding out where I'm going to be speaking and when, you know, I certainly would encourage you to go to NicoleBSimpson.com. I know I'm speaking this Friday and this Saturday or this Saturday um, in New Jersey. I couldn't tell you the city, um, but I can also tell you that I'll be in New York City at the um, um, at the Jacob Javits Center 
um, and I will not only be speaking at the um, book um, association, but I will be giving away um, some of my books as well. So you get the best of both worlds. Um, I believe that the, that's the last week in the month of May. Um, I will be in um, Houston, Texas. I know it's coming up as well as, um, I think, Oklahoma. So for your listeners that are um, outside of the school, please just continue to check the um, travel itinerary. It's um, www.thecopysimpson.com, and it will give you everything that you have need of, everything that you need to know. And the best way to um, get motivational tips and things of that nature, follow my blog. But the best way is to follow me on Facebook, Nicole Simpson is my username. Right on Facebook, you get, I think, uh, the best of who God has created me to be through that venue and through that outlet. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That is some very good information. And for those of you who are, um, you know, too slow to write this information down, um, after the show you can actually download it so you'll have that information um, on your computer. It will download directly into iTunes, and then you can take it off of iTunes put it on your iPhone. Um, you could also disable it on the computer and use whatever media player you have because uh, it works on anything. And um, once again, I'd like to thank our guest, Nicole B. Simpson, who is a very, very intelligent woman, and she is very inspiring and motivating. So I hope you all learned something today and that you will return to our show. Hopefully we'll get um, Nicole to come and do a segment for us in the future so that we can start learning how to So thank everybody for coming to the show. Thank you all for hanging with us. Tell everybody to download the show and tell everybody to go visit Nicole's website. Nicole, you have a pleasant evening, and we have been blessed to have you in our presence. Thank you so much, Ravina, and I just want to say thank you so much to the Mingle Zone for having me on. I look forward to connecting with you guys again in the future. Great. Now I'm going to go put my um, my little theme song show on. Um, you probably won't hear about a little bit of it, but it's it's a, the theme to Kill Bill, and I just love that theme. So everybody enjoy. Mm-hmm.